Bam 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 Hey everybody, welcome back to Go Help Yourself. Oh God. A comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. I can't today. I'm Lisa Linky. I'm Misty Stinnett. And we are two beautiful hosts sitting across from each other in the lovely confines of Fairfax Village Studios, joined as always with our inimitable, did I say that? Inimitable. Nope. Inimitable. I honestly don't know. Uh, Producer Sav, and we are here to take you on a journey of self-discovery, self-help, self-acceptance. Thank self-worth, you. Self-worth, self-growth, self-rejection, self-rejection, and self-hatred. Hatred. Loathing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is a podcast where each week we read a book um, or piece of literature <laughs> around self-help. Appropriate. And bring you the rants, the raves, the picks, the pans, the hits, the highs, the lows, the, the boos. The flops. The yays, the boos, everything about it. The yays, um, the from nays. From two perspectives. One, Misty, who's adept and, and adroit <laughs> at um, getting what's va- a value out of each book, yeah. no matter how well it is written or if it's a canonical turd. Yes, and, or um, if it's a, a piling dumpster garbage heap that yes. we should all light on fire and watch it burn. Yes, um, and, or, and I, uh, who is inherently distrustful of anyone telling me what to do. She sounds nice. She's not that I'm nice. I'm not very nice. And uh, we cuss like a motherfucker. So... <laughs> Um, Welcome. We're doing this so that you don't have to. You can go about your busy lives while still oh. getting that self-help uh, advice that is life-altering and perspective-altering that you've been craving or that somebody's been desperately asking you to get. Who is this woman? I want to know. Lisa, that is the most incredible introduction <laughs> That maybe you've done the entire year. You went from being like, I don't want to fuck up saying a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less to like this gorgeous one woman show of just bliss. Thank you. Uh, and I think that's that's that's, that's it. it. We're diving in. We're diving We're in. Diving. And I say uh, not a book, uh, but a piece of literature because today, Misty. I'm bringing another article. 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 impeachment. So <laughs> let's hope so. So, um, so this is only the second time mm-hmm. that we brought in an article mm-hmm. because we do try to stay true to the premise, the books, but every now and then it feels like there's a piece of perspective mm. that's important to share. So and one of those led to a book reading an author, an author. coming mm-hmm. on. So the first article that we shared on the podcast uh, was all about women aren't nags, were fed up. Mm-hmm. It was all about women by and Gemma the mental Hartley. load by mm-hmm. Gemma Hartley. And it was that viral Harper's Bazaar article. Mm-hmm. And it changed my life and my relationship at mm-hmm. the time. Um, so So as we are nearing the end of an entire year of reading self-help books, all that supplemental uh, stuff we do in the mini-sodes and reading articles and trivia and the history of self-help and having so many guests on, you sent me this article. I did. And I read it and thought, we have to share this because this – this article, so it's called, it's from realsimple.com. And then it disappeared forever. Yep. And we had a real hard time finding it again. We searched for hours on Friday. I like, where is the so link to this article? advanced Google searches with I like, too. like specific turns of yeah. phrase. Yeah. And, and then this, mor- this morning, I was like, I'm going to try scrolling through our text one more time. Found it in about 60 seconds. I can't <laughs> 
Anywho, it's from Real Simple because yeah. it was real simple to Real find. simple. It's called How Taffy Brodesser Ackner Thrives on Stress. Now, Taffy Brodesser Ackner is a writer for the New York Times Magazine, and That's she's a published right. article. That's or, uh, right. She's a published article. She do got a published article. She's a published author. But also, that name. Say yeah. that three times fast. Taffy Brodesser hyphen Ackner. Um, so the reason I wanted that we wanted to share this article is because we often sit there and we ask of the books like Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth or uh, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer or Pima Chodron's Porth or Pima Chodron's And Things Fall Apart. All of this like be calm, watch all the thoughts pass. We we always ask each other, meow, meow, meow. (laughs) We always ask each other, but isn't that boring? What happens, like, if you're always letting things pass through you? I feel like that's what cats brain. They're just like, meow. They they see a mouse. Meow, meow, meow. Meow, meow, meow. They see a a leaf blow by. Or they see a mouse and they're like, I'm going to fucking kill it. I'm going to fucking kill it. And then they're they're like, like, meow, 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 meow. That's right. Um, So this article, I fucking love this article. You're going to read it And it feels like, yeah, I'm going to read it on air so everybody can be there. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm Bam. in the pilot seat, everybody. My neck, my back. I'm going to read Black's back. <laughs> wow. No, I don't know what happened. It's and funny because I, I was about to say you're in good hands. And then Lisa threw that in and I was like, the co-pilot has grabbed the yoke and we are going down. <laughs> yeah, I'm a pilot's daughter. Come on. Uh, okay. Mm. The yoke makes me think of oxen. Thank you. I tried to flip anyway, the river, the but my oxen died. Article. Okay, so how Taffy Brodesser Ackner thrives on stress. Everyone wants women to be mindful, calm, and deliberate. But as Taffy Brodesser Ackner writes, sometimes a little chaos gets things done. Okay. And this is written by Taffy Brodesser Ackner, and it came out on July 19, 2019. Yep. My yoga teacher, who was 23 and beautiful like a song, and who told me one day that she had gone into the yoga arts because the acting business made her feel like she was being eaten alive, stands over our inert bodies, and this is what she says. We are slaves to the noise in our heads. Then she says, leave your thoughts at the door. You can pick them up on your way out. Meow, meow. (laughs) She says this twice over a full 10 minutes of a 60-minute class that could be spent exercising but is instead spent lying on the floor. This is my kind of class. I love this author. She says it in addition to the six-minute speech she gave before class and the three-minute period of rest she'll give us after class, at which point we'll get another 90 seconds for her to remind us of these values and then invoke spiritual themes to thank us for having shown up. In the middle, she'll comment on the fact that, by now, our thoughts, which were left at the door for us to pick up on the way out, may have crept back into the studio. She (laughs) said— Shouldn't have gotten me that hard. (laughs) God damn it. She says to regard them like clouds passing by in the chyron of my brain, nothing to be addressed or absorbed. We make eye contact when she says this. I narrow my eyes slightly and purse my lips and nod thoughtfully. And I... And, mm, and I wonder what she would do if she knew what was going on in my cloudy sky mind right now. <laughs> I wonder what she would do if she knew I had no intention of stopping my thoughts. I wonder what she would do if she knew about my thoughts about my thoughts. Oh, my God. How I was thinking these thoughts about thoughts when they were supposed to be drifting away like clouds. I think if she knew, the roof would blow off this entire purple studio. <laughs> Are you here for it? Because I'm here for it. I love okay. her. She's a great writer. 
The yoga teacher wants me to clear my mind. She wants me just to do my yoga, though not that much yoga if you count up her accumulated speeches. The wellness podcast I listen to wants me to have a routine. My dietitian thinks I should plan better to make better choices. The teachers at my kid's school think I should slow down. My friends want to go on a meditation retreat. They all want me to become this peaceful thing, this mindful thing. They want me to be free from intrusive thoughts. They want me to streamline my life for maximal predictability with minimal stress. They are trying to make me into a new breed of woman, the highly regimented woman. Uh. The highly regimented woman is today's ideal. She does things, oh, she does one thing at a time. She doesn't stray from her routine. She practices mindfulness. She doesn't miss the 8 a.m. Thursday Pilates class. She leaves her phone in the other room. She is who we are supposed to strive to be, even if some of us are so far away from this ideal that we hear about women like this and think people are kidding. Meaning, I know some highly regimented women. They are killing it out there. They are happy and focused and getting it done. I imagine being someone who doesn't say, forget it's band practice day or that book club was tonight. No, wait, (laughs) last night? Who doesn't, of course, all this is theoretical, show up at a different movie theater from her husband despite being told several (laughs) times and having it noted in the calendar that we were going to the one near the mall. Being a highly regimented woman would mean I could rid myself of my ability to multitask. (laughs) She would have me finish the phone call and then cook the dinner and then really be in the moment. She would make my life great. So why does just the idea of her fill me with dread? Thank you. Consider in the last year, I wrote 12 magazine stories, 90,000 words that actually got printed for my job at the New York Times. For each one, I interviewed dozens of people. I did an investigative piece that required twice the number of interviews as usual. I revised my novel, which came out in June. I wrote four... <laughs> when am I yeah. having a problem? <laughs> yeah. Leave it. Yeah. Uh, uh, there are lots of pop-ups on this website. <laughs> It's really throwing me off. I wrote 40,000 words of another novel and sold that too. I miss no more than two soccer games, younger son, and two basketball games, older. They play year-round. I threw parties. I organized meals for another mom who hurt her wrist. I listened carefully to my children and tried to suss out what they'd eaten at lunch and who they were friends with. I got a dog. I trained a dog. Oh, my God. I resented a dog. Meow. I came to love a dog. Meow. I appeared on TV and podcast. I put my kids on a bus to camp and then went on a book tour a few hours later. I saw A Star is Born twice. I watched the first season of Succession. I watched all of The Americans with my husband because it is important to have a show together. It really (laughs) is. I attended my book club twice, and I read the books. I attended parent-teacher conferences. I did not buy or cook food, but my husband did, and I managed to mostly feed myself when I wasn't home. I was a good daughter. I was an okay sister. I was a parody of prolificness. My colleagues were in awe of me. My friends asked me how I did it. People on Twitter made fun of me. I was honest with them all. I half-assed it. I did it by being a, let's call it, highly haphazard woman. I was scrappy and disorganized. I had 10,000 tabs up on my computer screen. That is me. <laughs> That's me right now. 100% Can of the Can you see time. how many are open right yes, now? Yes, on mine? I've had tabs open on my Safari for four years. I had the burnout <laughs> article, the millennial burnout <laughs> article up for eight months. I finally had to close it because I was too burnt out to read it. 
Heather, I'm sorry. To my big sister, I'm still, I'm going to finish it. We'll probably read it on the podcast. It'll be our third article. Uh, So she says, I had 10,000 tabs up on my computer screen. I didn't always shower. I sat next to my children on the couch pretending to watch a movie while actually working. I entered soccer practices incorrectly into my calendar. I did this with games as well and would have to weather the iciness of a car ride in which a (laughs) shit... There's another pop-up. <laughs> My real God. Real simple. Not real simple. I'd have to weather the iciness of a car ride in which a shin-guarded eight-year-old who has promised he could play goalie had been driven an hour in the wrong direction. No. no. Only to find that the game was four towns away three hours ago. Once or twice, I forgot to drive the carpool. Just think about that for a minute. Once or twice, I left children waiting for me to pick them up, and I sat unaware that they were waiting. I'm not proud of any of this. And then there were the things that were in my control. I left a dinner to go to the bathroom because suddenly, over the salad course, I realized how to solve a structural problem in my novel. Most of all, I told the people who asked, I took inspiration when it struck. When the right answer sat in front of me, I didn't swat it away. I didn't let it be a cloud that drifted. I didn't have much in the way of what a highly regimented woman would call peace, but I had accomplishment, which was my own form of peace via a longer game. Nobody liked these answers. They wanted to know that I was being successful and leading a balanced life. They couldn't bear the chaos. They wanted to know how to do it, but only if it meant slowing down, doing one thing at a time, thinking one thought at a time, but sometimes none. They wanted predictability and to never know pain in the offing. That's fair, I would say, but then you won't accomplish that much. This was very upsetting to the people I spoke with. They said I wasn't living a good life, that I was too scattered to have any meaning in fuck it. Fuck them, fuck that, them. That I wouldn't remember my time as a parent because I was never really in the room when I was in the room. That presence is a gift. Oh. I am told that routine and structure are good for the nerves. I'm told predictability and mindfulness will give me strength and peace. I believe them, but consider this too. What if my goals have nothing to do with peace and calm? What if peace and calm are the last things I want? Yeah. I spent my childhood in the future watching a Seth Thomas clock on a gray wall of the maximum security prison of my religious all-girls school. Thank you. High school is one of those systems that are set up to destroy a certain kind of person. From the minute you start ninth grade, you are strapped to a dart headed straight toward a bullseye, and no amount of thought and contrition can undo even the slightest stumbling as you begin your throw. Which is not to say I was ruined by ninth grade. It's to say I didn't think, after screwing up ninth grade, that any kind kind of cleanup job would have an effect. Many of my classmates thrived. They took AP classes and made speeches and tucked in their shirts and were singled out. They were the recipients of warm smiles from the teachers. I started each academic year with optimism and purpose, and then something would happen. My focus would shift. I would miss a step, or more likely, I would never have become oriented to what we were doing in the first place. I had such a deep yearning to feel success. But by October, I brought my backpack home and let it stay, a blur, another thing I didn't focus on in the corner of my room. And so I watched the wall. 24 minutes before this class is over, two hours till lunch, three and a half hours till the day is over, four days till the week is over, three weeks till the semester is over, four days till I never have to be in ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade again. I failed at school unequivocally, not low grades, 
failure. I was put into classes and forced to think about math when I wanted to think about English. I was forced to play volleyball when I wanted to read or write. I was forced to read and write when I wanted to play basketball. Outside of school wasn't that different. There was dinner at 6.30 and bedtime at 9. There was swimming on Sundays and a calendar of Jewish holidays. I'd sit in synagogue on Yom Kippur, which was endless. Until one day, I realized I could turn pages along with everyone else. I could stand up and sit and bow, but I could also think. I could make plans. I could dream up stories I wanted to write in places I wanted to go. In the quiet, I could still move forward. You could hold my body in place and obligated to show up to all kinds of places. But if the moment sucked, I could live in the past or the future. I could live wherever I wanted to. Mm. Now, nobody can tell me when I'm done making up for lost time. Nobody can tell me how to spend my time. Nobody can tell me what I'm allowed to do inside my own skull. After college, life came at me quickly. A first job, a first layoff, a next job, a boyfriend, a husband, a child. On my son's first birthday, I got him a stuffed rhino and a babysitter. She came three times a week for three hours each time. My friend Lisa, who had a baby the same week I did, had gone back to work months before. She asked if I was going to take a yoga class or get a manicure. I told her no. I told her I was going to get back to writing. I was going to go to the nearest quiet place and sit down and not look up until the three hours were up. I was going to produce. After all this time, I was going to produce. I had felt dead for such a long time, working for other people, working at an internet startup, which I knew wasn't my calling, but I worried was the best I could do. I was worried I was someone with just a few ideas, and when those ran out, I'd have nothing left to write. But I sat down to do it. So great was the fear of ever working at something soulless again, and the ideas came. And then they kept coming. The thing I don't do is try to control when and where the ideas come. What would happen if I was in a yoga class and allowed the idea for my next novel to pass like a cloud? Or if I ignored the pang when I was supposed to be on my morning walk that told me the answers to the ending of a story were coming if only I would sit and receive them? These thoughts that everyone is spending so much time trying to chase away, they're gifts. They are blessings. It literally just completely took me to a new website and I didn't click on anything. (laughs) It's Hold a gift on. and a blessing. We're going to follow this thought. <laughs> Hold on. My God. What is the website? That it took me to? Uh-huh. I don't know. I clicked out. Now we got to scroll down, people. Scroll down. Scroll down. Until you find your spot. I watched a little Other bit of two, four, last six, oh, one. Thank you. Your article's up and your parole's begun. You're welcome. These thoughts that everyone is spending so much time trying to chase away, they're gifts. They are blessings. They are the things that make us alive. Here's the thing about mindfulness and routine and slowness. They are great in theory, but when they become more important than the things they were supposed to provide you, they are a danger. They can drown out the voices that are that are telling you how to live, and that's what I'm afraid of. These thoughts that everyone is spending so much time trying to chase away, they're gifts. They are blessing. They are the things that make us alive. Mm. And she just said this, but I think this was like a typo in the article. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there are full magazines devoted to mindfulness at Whole Foods. There are mindfulness jars. My son brought one home from first grade, a plastic bottle with glitter that works like a snow globe. You shake it and watch the glitter fall, and it's supposed to calm you down. There are goal journals and routine diaries and that let you give yourself a star. Give yourself A star for knowing how your day is going to go. You can now reward yourself for being predictable. The children are being taught meditation so they can bring the lessons of our folly home to us. 
I understand why this happened. I am even happy it happened. So now the people who suffer from overwhelm can have tools to calm themselves and a language to communicate in. But it didn't happen just to the people who needed it. When the regimented life went mainstream, it somehow became insurrectionist to have a mind like mine, one that's always running, one that doesn't relent, one that races and commands my hands to do a million things at once. Somehow, it has become objectionable to be someone who is winging it. It's become subversive to be scattered. Yeah. In my head, I run until I fly. In my head, the words are made out of colors, and while I am flying, the sentences allow me to land gently. This is how I became a writer. The page is simply an organized manifestation of my head. I am lauded for my pages. Despite this, I am still criticized for my head. But come at it from the other side for just a minute. Consider that the thinking is what the whole enterprise is built on, that a body is a thing that holds up a brain, that all this exists so that the thoughts can come whenever and however they like. There is a price I pay for living this way. Lest I sound too confident, lest I sound like I have found a magic formula, here it is in the interest of full disclosure. My life is a mess. Mm -hmm. My mind is a mess. But nobody has been able to convince me that the value of a mind that isn't a mess is greater. Sometimes I can't stop the words at night and I have to do a special kind of visualization for a minute or two to make them stop. Sometimes I hold my eight-year-old's hand up to my face while he's watching TV and I note that the baby pudge of it is nearly gone and I wonder if I was truly there for all of it, if I was truly there for any of it. I also wonder if the benefit accrues to people who were or if it doesn't actually really matter at all. Mm. When it boils over, I will do what I need to do. I'll cry. I'll watch TV in the middle of the day. I'll buy a pack of cigarettes and smoke just one. I endorse none of this. Maybe by now you can see that I am not trying to live an, admir an admirable life, just mine. Mm. But sometimes I feel sun on my face for the first time in the spring, or I notice that the dogwood tree has bloomed. Sometimes I watch my 11-year-old read, his eyes blinking every few minutes. I do this on my schedule. I do not preempt anything else for it. Sometimes, if a moment is great, I will stay in it. At other times, I will plan for better moments. I insist on the point of view that I'm not broken, that the thoughts are there to tell me how to live my life, that I can't tame them, that I can't be tamed. What if I don't need more than that? What if I don't need a lifestyle? I have made the same bet everyone has, which is that they are living the best way they know how, and one day I will have to answer for it. I will have to answer to my kids for my distraction. I will learn that something went wrong because of my focus, but I can't live my life because I'm going to have to answer for it. I am hoping instead that I'm raising my kids to see that the pursuit of fulfillment is a better life than the pursuit of a value you don't share. Maybe we're both right. Me and the highly regimented woman and whoever is writing that mindfulness magazine. Mm -hmm. We are both staring down at an abyss, trying to figure out how to live. That's what we all want to know. And none of us knows it for sure. I begrudge nobody the right to try to figure that out because it's the big question. There are studies that show that meditation works, that people thrive on routine, that there is no such thing as multitasking. They never study me, though. They never ask me questions about what the cost-benefit analysis of all this living is. If they did, I'd tell them that it is none of their business, that how we live is for each of us to contend with. We have to live with our choices forever. It's for us to try to game the future and not try to regret too much. Sometimes I come across my son's mindfulness jar. I stop what I'm doing and I shake it. For a minute, I understand. For a minute, I am in the here and now. And then I wonder if I should write a story about mindfulness jars and, well, 
here that is. So that is how Taffy Bradesser Ackner thrives on stress from realsimple.com. I have three thoughts. Please. The first thought is this really reminded me of from the book, The Upside of Your Dark Side, Mm -hmm. when they talked about how there's a benefit to mindlessness. Uh-huh. And that it's the brain cannot be mindful 24-7. And, and the self-driven child talks about radical downtime. Yeah, yeah. Um, the second thing it reminded me of was Elizabeth Gilbert's TED Talk on um, uh, muses and yes. the myth of this creative, this yes. tortured creative. Yep. <clears throat> and when things come to you, you have to be there to receive she them. She also talked about it in Big Magic, too, she which did. we did cover. And I loved that I loved that part of the book. Yeah. And it's true. For me as a writer, it's true. Sometimes inspiration just strikes. Yeah. And the third thing I've forgotten, so tell me what you think and it'll come back to me. (laughs) Well, for me, you know, I think we brought up this sentiment during the dumpster fire that is the book, Text So Good, He Can't Ignore. That's right. Texting secrets, blah, 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 a couple episodes ago. But it's that all of these books— a lot of the books that we've read are going, how can we beat the system? Yeah. And then I love this article because it's going, let's question the system. Yeah. Right? Because so much of it is, how can we live better, be calmer, more peaceful, more mindful? And this is the first one I've heard that's like, wait, why do we want that? Yeah. And I haven't really, I didn't really question that until I read this article. Mm-hmm. I remember oh, my you remember. is, it's just that she's so authentic and so genuine yeah. and i like that about her yes it brings a sense of authenticity that say like i struggled with with jensen Chero a little bit and rachel hollis and rachel Girl, hollis wash your because face. it was like do this be this you are you know like achieve this I ideal have it figured state figured out here's how to do it mm-hmm. and this is the only place you want to be yeah and also just kind of like you can't have it all you know, she sort of addresses the emotional emotional labor that's expected. Yeah. Um, but doesn't address like how difficult it is to achieve it, right? So yeah. there's a little bit of fed up in there uh, too. So I really like this article because she's like, if my if the expectation is for me to have a career and also achieve all this emotional labor, I can't. Something yeah. will suffer. Well, she's like, I don't. And people, and she's this highly accomplished woman, and people don't like the answers of how. They don't. half asset. They don't like that. The end. And that's, it's interesting because what I, what really resonated for me while I was reading this article is um, this, I, no, I lost my Well, let me say what mine is, and maybe it'll come back yeah. to you. What I liked about it was that nobody asks men if they feel that they've been absent from their children from their children's lives. Mm-hmm. They half ass yeah. typically, and I don't mean to make it gender, but traditionally fathers do not do it's it's scientifically proven. Fathers do not do the same amount of child rearing that women do. Well, and they're also not held to the same standards for a clean house. That's right. So that's what I'm saying yeah. is that like they they half ass that aspect, but mm-hmm. are not held to that level of accountability. Yeah. So here we are putting these immeasurable and unachievable standards to women. Yeah. And and so when she's honest about it, if I'm going to be held to being a, a complete and total mother yeah. and a complete and total um, employee, yeah. I, one is going to slack. And I've chosen to slack mothering yeah. uh, on this sense. And people don't like that answer. They don't. And and also— But nobody asks men the question is my point. Right, right. And, and what was really resonating for me was, um, you know— You've given me homework a couple times that's like, take a night off. Yeah. Your job is to do nothing. Your job is to schedule free time. And I always come in and I'm like, I did it, but I did four loads of laundry or (laughs) I did it. And, but I 
always do have this self-critical monologue running yeah. of like, I should be relaxing. I shouldn't be going at 110 miles an hour. I should Which da, 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 da. still is like defeating the point, right? Right. Yes. But what she's saying is like, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't need to. Yeah. And that's the first time that I went, maybe that's just how my mind works. Yeah. And my mind doesn't work that way. Yeah. And I, I still would like to be more balanced. But maybe balance for me is like, cool, I cleaned out my inbox while I had a cup of tea. Maybe that's my version of balance. Because yes. her b- version of balance is half-assing things. Yes. So it just feels like it gives permission to be what you are. Yeah. Handle this as you're handling it. Yeah. And she's still prolific and successful, and that's exciting. Yeah. Right? So It it is. I'm curious to know, for those listening, what did you think of this article? Is this like, yes, yes, were you shouting along in your car, or were you like, that is wrong, you need to do a silent (laughs) retreat 10 days a year? How do you feel? It's liberating. It is liberating, and I think that she's not wrong in saying, you know, I, I do believe in diversity, right? Diversity of there's not one way to come at it. That's right. I also think that there's value in diversity across our own experience. Mm-hmm. So I like that she goes to a yoga class. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I like that she doesn't say I operate best at 99% at capacity all the time. So I need to be that way all the time. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So while yes, for you having a cup of tea and clearing your inbox is relaxing, it also is nice for you. To have a night where you do nothing. Yes. Do you know what I mean? 100%. But that doesn't need to become your norm. Yeah. Do you know it what I just, mean? It, I just it like It gives this. our brain a new way of looking at the world when we do something different. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, when we started this podcast and every single book, I'm like, how can I be more efficient, more aware, yeah. hypersensitive? And it's like, well, what if you don't need to? Yeah. Why what does that just need, to be, need to be? What if we come from the, the perspective that we are fine as we are? Yeah. Why is that the thing to strive for? Yeah. And why do we hold that up to an ideal as opposed to like, look at you, you're doing it. Yeah. You're just getting it done. Yeah. It's getting done. Because like sometimes my house will be a disaster for 10 days because yeah, other things so take priority. I mean, there's that whole cliche of like a bachelor pad, you know, that like the expectation is that it's a messy yeah. place and they have no that the the expectation isn't upon men to have this beautifully well appointed home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What the fuck? What the fuck? Fuck yeah. it. Fuck everything. Fuck everything. I have a bachelor pad. <laughs> right? No, you have a great apartment. Yeah, but it's constantly filthy. And here's the thing. I don't care. It's not. Well, that's the thing. It's not a value system you subscribe to, it that's sounds right. like, which is what she's saying. And I love that. And, you know, talking about values, some of the books we've covered, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, right. even how, uh, not How to Win Friends and Influence, but The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right. like being able to define your own value system and yeah. then live your life according to that. Really you, powerful. It's so powerful because some people are like, I, you know, my value system is I really care about aesthetic things yeah. or I really care about relaxing a lot. And it's like, okay, that's great. If that's not your value system and you value spending your time learning new recipes, and that's the most exciting thing to you, like structure your thing around that? I think something that we struggle with as very North American is to impress, and very American, I'll say, not even just North American, is to impress our value system on others. And that's where yes. this entire self-help thing is a problem for me. Yeah. Because each each perspective of the book is, I did this. It worked for me. So you should You too. should do it. Yeah. You need to do it. And not yeah. all of them come from that perspective, but I think most of our media does that. Yeah. Is that this is the way to do yeah. it. And not only is it the way, but we all should be a striving for this. Yes. And that's so fucked up. It is. It's very it keeping really up is. with the Joneses and 
Well, it is, and it's it's homogenous, yeah. and it's like I like I I like this idea. You know, she even talks about her experience of like the people who think she should be more calm and mindful don't like her answers. Right. She also doesn't feel like she should be held to this highly regimented woman. It's like, what if we just allowed space for everybody in one? If you just think of it like from an anthropological stance, and you're studying human behavior, look at all the different ways there are to move through life. Wow, it takes all kinds. Yeah. So this felt like a really appropriate. Article for the end of the year. For different folks. And so on and so So on and scooby dooby dooby. Thank you. And with that, everybody, life Life is is abundant. abundant. Meow. Meow. Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know you can also find us on the social medias, Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast, Twitter at podcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.